Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Joe Wren of WFIU and WTIU. And today our topic is Indiana's prohibition on Sunday alcohol sales. We have two guests with us in the studio. Matt Colglazer is here. He's director of media and promotions for Big Red Liquors Incorporated. And John Elliott is the spokesperson for Kroger Company. Please uh, join the program by calling us at 855 811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, Joe, welcome. Thank you very much. And both of you guys, John, Matt, good to see you both. Thank you. Thanks, Sorry, Steve. I apologize for my voice. It's better than last week <laughs> when I wasn't here at all, but uh, it's, a li- it's a little rough today, so... Um, this issue, we, we did a program on it a year or so ago, uh, Indiana's last state in the United States that bans the sale of beer, wine, and liquor on Sundays at, at retail stores. And, of course, there's proposed legislation in the House and Senate that could change that. There's been proposed legislation before. It's not gone anywhere. Um, why might this year be different, John? Well, we're already seeing a change, and and we've tried to figure out how long this debate has been going on because it predates most people who work in the state house. Now we've gone back at least forty years of this recurring debate. But the, what's different this year is for the first time we've actually had a public hearing uh, in terms of the House uh, Public Policy Committee. So that's one step of progress to actually have more of a public debate. I guess we could say your radio station serves as public debate as well. Right. Well, we hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, I, I'd walk it back a little bit to, you know, there are, there are 18 states that have some kinds of restriction on Sunday sales. So the, the premise that, you know, all of a sudden Indiana became the only state that didn't have any that, – that, that had the toughest restrictions on, on liquor sales is just not true. So, you know, we, we have our own opinion about it. But um, from, from our perspective – you know, this is a this has been alcohol's been a highly regulated thing for a long time. It, it's a matter of degrees and it's a matter of levels to us. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you know, that's what we'd like to talk about. Right. And, and there's an evolving trend actually. You've had a dozen states in recent years that have lifted restrictions on Sunday sales. So there's momentum nationally. Uh, granted it's one state at a time and it's been over time, but but the momentum is in that direction. And the distinction on Sunday sales really is that um, what is allowed on Sunday and what is not is a particular concern to Kroger as a retailer, but other retailers too. You can, under current legislation, um, engage in every form of consuming alcohol by the drink or in every location, but that safest option of buying it at a retail store and taking it home or taking it somewhere else to consume is not legal. And it seems certainly counterintuitive. It's not particularly logical, and it's uh, not on solid footing from a public safety perspective that you can go to a bar and restaurant and drink and drive, or the airport, a sporting event, a whole list of things. Brew pubs, wineries, a good thing for local business here. I guess I would say that we sell an awful lot of Indiana wines and beer on the other six days, and it would be an opportunity on the seventh day for those organizations as well. But an issue that I think needs to be brought to light is the fact that we're highly regulated in terms of the licensing that our clerks have to have. You can't be in one of our stores unless you're 21 years old. You can't be a clerk at a packaged liquor store unless you have a special license. So um, to say that, you know, to have, you know, it's, it's more, it's, it's more safe to open up Sunday sales is not necessarily true because then you've got another day where you've got 10 and 12 year old kids in a store um, where they've merchandised, you know, miniature airplane bottles of wine in a basket and it's over here in a certain aisle. And, you know, our, from our, and I'll ask John directly, I mean, is Kroger willing to 
make a separate section and you know if, if it's about being on a level playing field if it's about free market are they willing to have a separate entrance are they willing to have a separate section are they willing to train their clerks in the way we train our clerks are they willing to say kids cannot come in this area i mean from from our standpoint you know one thing that we pride ourselves on especially being in a big college market is the fact that um you know in my office there's a stack of about 200 fake ids we put um, bounties literally 50 bucks at, at times like little five uh, back to school time and say it's your job to find fake IDs that's that's what we want to do and so when uh, the ATC is looking f- for training and wanting to know how to do that they come to us because we're the experts on it we say okay that's fine here's here's what we've noticed in our stores um, we'll, we'll turn these fake IDs over to you guys so you can study them and, and see the trends in it um, but from a regulation standpoint um, we think uh, as as community members we're we're doing as as much as we possibly can um, to have that reputation to say you're, you're not going to buy alcohol underage at our location so i don't know if I agree with the argument that it, that having that extra day and, and having it wide open, which you know if you go into a grocery store it is <clears throat> wide open anybody can walk from the meat section over to being face to face with a bottle of Jack Daniels. With packaged liquor right. stores, that's not the case. So let me let me cut in for just a second. That's Matt Colglazer from um, Big Red, and and John Elliott is here from Kroger. Right. And Matt, so Matt's asking. Let me go back to the question. Yeah, I, was I guess say there are about six right, right. questions there. Right. But um, I, I guess the first question, you know, Matt's talking about the the you have to be twenty one to go into a Big Red store. Um, all their clerks have to be trained in a particular way, and I think he asked you directly, would Kroger sort of isolate their liquor and make sure that only 21-year-olds are able to get to it? Well, there's several parts to that answer. And and in terms of an enclosed area, no, we would not. Um, There are several reasons for that. Uh, One is it interferes with cross-merchandising and promotion that is our method of business for all products, you know, not just wine and fish, uh, you know, beer and brats, but hot dogs and mustard. You know, it's it's, uh, but also there's a safety aspect. I mean, think realistically. You don't want mom with a kid in the bass cart, leaves them here, goes through an enclosed area. You know, I mean, I suppose we could have a babysitting section too, but it really doesn't fit the business model. And there is absolutely no evidence that there is an influence on kids in terms of drinking and their habits. Um, the environment at home and how they're raised and school environment. There are all kinds of other things that really influence whether kids abuse drinking and so on. There's there's no science behind it. But you also, on the ID piece, um, you know, Kroger meets or exceeds all the required training. We are, I would say, at least as responsible as the example you've said. We do still 100% ID check as well. And I think you have to look not just at what does the law require and what does one model of business or another do, but you need to look at the results. You know, for so if you make the case that liquor stores are better trained, that they have a more intense model, then you can't help but ask the question, why do they have a far worse record in terms of ATC and excise police or local police enforcement? They fail stings. Kroger does millions of alcohol transactions a year in the last two and a half years, we've had one violation. A younger brother used older brother's ID. The clerk thought it was the same kid, fooled the clerk, sold the beer. You know, that that store leadership team got in some serious trouble over that, even though they had a pretty good explanation. So millions and millions of transactions, one, one issue, that is a far better record than any packaged liquor store in the state. Right, and I'll- So look at results. Not just what the procedures are. Right. And I'll just say, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you have one in your pocket, but I don't even work in a store. I work at the office, and I have, am required to have an ATC employee card that shows that I went to a training, that I know how to card somebody, that I could step in at any time and do that. And all of our employees, all of our clerks are required to have those. So it's, an, it's, it's a required step, but then we go to the extra trouble of – working directly with the ATC to make sure that those underage kids aren't there. But Right. And I, I think you would find that drug grocery and convenience stores have similar – it may not be exactly the same step-by-step process, but, you know, we here in Bloomington, 
Uh, we have a program where we have invited the excise police to come in, work with our cashiers, look over their shoulder, give them advice. You know, it's uh, there are not too many businesses that invite law enforcement in voluntarily and encourage them to keep coming back. But that's what we do, and, and the results speak for themselves. So we would have that in common, other than the fact right. that we you can't be in our stores unless you're 21. So it... it but, you know, I think it's an unfair comparison a little bit, too. I mean, that's all you're selling. and But it also that also leads to the other question, which has been asked in legislative testimony, which is would we as retailers object to packaged liquor stores selling other products? And we don't. The same expectation of free market competition that we would like for things like breaking the cold beer monopoly and eliminating that cold beer tax on consumers through competition – we are very open. If you guys want to sell bags of ice and you want to sell snacks and anything else, you want to compete in a free and open market, we're okay with that as well. So we do this model of, of only, <laughs> you know, that model is to some extent legislated and to some extent self-imposed by packaged liquor stores on themselves. But I think this gets it's, – it's, we've gotten to the heart of the issue pretty quickly. Yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, to us, this is a jobs issue and this is a big versus small um, if if you ask John, you know, if he's got the the name of uh, the business manager of Bloomington Brewing Company, if he's got his cell phone number in his pocket, he probably says, no, I have that number in my pocket. If a winery wants to bring in a new wine, they can call us directly, and they can meet with us anytime we want. Um, we support these local businesses. Um, there's a study uh, that was released in 2006 uh, by a Ball State professor, Michael Hicks. It says if this goes through, you're looking at 25% of all the packaged retailer stores in Indiana going out of business. That's somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 jobs that disappear within a couple of years. And you're talking about people who are actively involved in their communities. You can't own an Indiana packaged liquor store without being a resident of this state. So you've got some people – and the first ones to go, and we'll admit it, Big Red might be okay – but the first ones to go would be the mom and pop stores that are in the small town that, you know, <clears throat> even despite the fact that they're carting you, they know they know the kid that would walk in the door because they know who his parents are. I mean, uh, it, that would be devastating. And so what you'd end up with is a, a market that it would have one big box store uh, and you have local breweries, local distilleries starting up, local wineries that would come in and meet with their buyer they get 30 minutes, one day a year, to pitch their product. And if that product doesn't get in and doesn't get on the shelf and doesn't get into their set, then where does it go? I mean, Monty at Cutters can call me up anytime and say, hey, Matt, you know, sales might be a little slow this month. Uh, can we work on doing a promotion or a tasting in the store? And I say, yes, that's fine. That kind of thing goes away if, if these big box stores are allowed to take over. Let's no, take let's, a quick – I'm sorry. Let's just yeah. take a quick little break here. I'm sure we have some listeners that might like to uh, chime in as well. We'll remind you of the phone numbers here on Noon Edition on WFIU, 855-0811 or toll-free at one 285 which is WFIU 9348. Of course, you can go to our website, WFIU.org. We even have a little poll there that you can uh, – Join us about retail sales on Sunday being allowed in Indiana. Um, John, you probably want to respond, but also right. was kind of wanted to get into some of the compromise right. um, issues into this, too. Was this something that you might see that both sides might be able to, to get somewhere to still be able to allow uh, sales, alcohol sales on Sunday, but yet not, you know, that 100 percent? Well, I don't know how that compromise would be, but the legislation also, by the way, does allow the option – doesn't mandate, but allows the option of liquor stores to be open or sell on Sunday if they choose to, just like they set their own hours and we set our own hours the other six days of the week. But I want to respond to a couple of the things you said. I mean, this idea that liquor stores would go out of business if Sunday sales is allowed is is really a f- it's fiction playing with emotion. If you look at what's happened in the last 10 states that have allowed the Sunday sales. It went up for all retail categories, including packaged liquor stores, and 9 out of 10. In the 10th state, that seems to be the only data used for that now discredited Ball State study, um, It's there were several things that changed in that state. 
not just Sunday sales. And you can't honestly say that it was all because of that. And it really is not appropriate academically or otherwise to pick one out of ten states and pretend that that's the whole database of what's historically happened when Sunday sales is allowed. It's not accurate. We also, you said we got to the heart of the matter. We really haven't. You know, Sunday sales is about several questions. You know, one question is, should our legislator be protecting an artificial monopoly, be picking winners and losers in the business community and the free market, and should they be sending three to $600 million in revenue to every neighboring state of Indiana? Should they be sending thousands of jobs to every neighboring state rather than doing everything they can to allow job creation and revenue generation and tax generation in Indiana. I, I just don't think it's their job to create to create economic opportunities in Ohio, Kentucky, Michigan, and Illinois. John, we we know how many jobs approximately would be <clears throat> lost if the coal, if this if this happened. How many jobs would the grocery store add if they got it? You know, there'd be whether it'd be an even match or something. I don't know, but but you know, there will be if you make any significant change. Some who prosper more and some who prosper less. But you can't just say 25% of the liquor stores would close if Sunday sales is allowed. Now, you could presume that liquor stores who are perfectly capable of serving their customers and competing Monday through Saturday suddenly become incapable or incompetent on Sunday. I don't necessarily believe that. Isn't it the same people, the same store, the same product mix? Why would your stores not be able to compete on one day? Is there some magic about Monday through Saturday that's different on Sunday? Well, I think you know and I know that the second busiest shopping day of the week is on Sunday. So uh, it's a little disingenuous for you to say, you know, well, you, it's all an equal playing field. It's not an equal playing field of Sunday sales. So, you know, I, uh, I, I think you also brought up a good point or earlier – you, you went directly from Sunday sales right into cold beer monopolies. And so, you know, what, what you see there is that's sort of the, the last thing that you would take away from these mom-and-pop packaged liquor stores is, is cold beer. And then there's no competitive advantage at all. And so saying that we're somehow an artificial monopoly, when you would seek to create your own completely artificial monopoly and, and put us out of business, it, it just doesn't – I guess I don't see where yeah. – well, I don't see how that makes any sense let, to me. Let me break in here for a second just, sure. just to, because you're, you guys are very knowledgeable about this. And so when, when you talk about the cold beer monopoly, I mean that, that's another quirk in Indiana's law, correct? That right. That grocery stores and convenience stores can sell beer, but it's warm beer. Right. Yeah, shelf temperature. Shelf temperature beer. There's all kinds of quirks in right. all <laughs> kinds of Indiana yeah. laws. I mean it, – yeah. You know, Every law in the country has a different mix of alcohol regulation and so on. In some states, the state government runs the liquor stores. And so, you know, so it varies, and we understand that. And as a national retailer, we we, we actually get to see what works well, what doesn't. Um, yeah. But, you know, you talk about the cold beer monopoly and, and it taking something away but uh, are taking protection away, but we look at it differently. I mean, we're looking at all of this motivated by what's best for our customers or Indiana consumers and what's best for our associates. And we believe fundamentally that what's best for Indiana consumers is to let them choose the best value and the best place to buy and have government either stay out or level the playing field and let people decide. I mean, the the first thing that happened – you know, as liquor stores have this monopoly on cold beer on top of geographic monopolies tied to their licenses, don't you guys have every liquor permit in this county? In other words, a monopoly, every can or bottle of cold beer sold in this county by state mandate, you guys have a monopoly. And when we did a survey three years ago, and then there was a survey done by an independent group two years ago, I believe Big Red was one of the five largest cold beer taxes in the state of Indiana. In other words, the difference between your own shelf temperature price and your cold beer tax price. The difference, the same case of beer in your store, warm versus cold, that cold beer tax on consumers would go away if those consumers had competition. And I don't understand 
why those consumers aren't entitled to that freedom of choice. Well, We're willing to if, compete and earn the business. Sure. And I would say from a customer service aspect, I mean, to, I guess, <clears throat> viscerally prove the point, I would encourage any of the listeners out there to go into a Kroger and ask if they could bring in a product that they didn't see on their shelf. And how long would it take for a person to get back to them and deliver that product to them? And then go into a Big Red Liquors or another uh, smaller package store that's out there and ask if they can bring in a product. And we'll have it in your hands in 48 hours with a phone call. So that's, you know, saying that it's about what you want to do the best for your customers. Now, you, you, you're, you're looking at this from a profit standpoint. And we're in business, too. But we're working under the rules that were established um, decades ago that would allow these smaller businesses to stay um, and thrive in the state. And so to take – to all of a sudden pull the rug out from under them and say – Okay, now the rules have changed. Now here's a big company. You know, we've got these lobbyists. We're going to come in here and, and spend a bunch of money and, and have these surveys and say, okay, it, now it's, you know, now, now things have changed because we've got the power to push you out of business, that, that that's what we're going to do. So to call it fair competition, I think, is, um, well, I mean, go, go, to a, go to a Kroger and go to a Big Red. You can have, you know, you can make 50 margin points on a bag of Fritos, and you can put beer at cost. We only sell alcohol. So we stay in business by good customer service, by having clean stores, places where people like to shop, and places where if, if we don't have the product, we'll get it for you. So um, from, from our perspective, this kind of trend in the law would eliminate all that. We've got well, we have the same we have the same opportunity to serve our customers, and, and you know, there's no difference there, really. And we're fine if you want to sell Fritos. I mean, so... Let's go to the phone. We have a phone call from John. John? Hello, John. You there? Guess not. Did he give up on us? <laughs> well, I don't know. John, one well, more. One there more. Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Go hello. ahead, John. Yeah, I'm turning down my radio. Yeah, I, I feel like the conversation kind of got lost from where I thought it started in a good beginning, which was... Uh, Considering the consumer and more what it meant for the consumer to not have alcohol access during the week or on a Sunday, um, as opposed to uh, having to go to a bar, which I know is one of the most common phenomenons around here in Bloomington, certainly. And uh, I didn't think it was quite fair to begin then right after there with how Kroger might be held to a different standard because of their training, because those things go into any day. I mean, the, the argument is about Sundays, and I know um, as a parent and a responsible drinker, it's often very frustrating that I can't go get a bottle of wine at my local Kroger. And I think from a consumer standpoint, I go to Big Red all the time. I think it's a fabulous liquor store. Thanks, it has John. choices like no other. <laughs> but I also believe that most of your customers would appreciate it if you were open on Sunday. And I understand that workforces could be involved in this and many other things, but I think from a consumer standpoint, something that has the sale magnitude of alcohol, it just it makes sense to allow anybody to get alcohol where they would get it on Sunday if they were allowed to do it on any other day of the week. Well, so. we, okay, John, thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate it. And Matt, you want to respond? Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate your comment and your, you. and your compliment. <clears throat> um, you know, to, to us... Uh, you know, we certainly see that perspective, but um, what I think will happen, and I think what we've what we've already heard today was the trend is to go from this to the next thing until there's really no competitive advantage for your local big red liquors um, or any other store to to stay open. And so the the rules that were set in place years ago for us to to be fairly competitive with one another. Um, are rules that that we like and want to maintain, and we don't want to go out of business so that you can come in um, on the days that that are agreed upon, and and get the bottle of wine or the rare beer uh, or the craft beer that you want or the local wine or the local beer um, that you want, and have the kinds of choices that we think our consumers should have. I mean, the other aspect of it is, you know, the the way that it's written now is that. If you want to go to your local, if you want to go to Bloomington Brewing Company, you want to go to Upland, you want to pick up a six-pack or a growler, you know, you have that option uh, on on Sundays. And, and we're, 
we're happy that that's that that's the case. And because you know, as much as you know, they support us, we we want to support them. I don't know if you would find the same type of support from and you know he used the term, so I'll use it from a from a national retailer. I mean, they it just you naturally look at at decisions about carrying products and and local in a, in a completely different way. So. But. Well, I'd go back to the comment I made earlier about, you know, our primary motivation in this is f- the good of our customers and the good of our associates. And, and uh, the caller hit exactly on the customer piece. And, and frankly, um, you know, Matt, what you were talking about in terms of mix of products and service and so on, you know, frankly, if we don't have the right mix and our customers choose to go to you, I don't think that should bother you necessarily because we've dropped the ball on the competitive marketplace, and the same is true in reverse. Uh, you should work to earn the business. But um, one thing I want to – a myth I want to dispel is this big versus small. The reality is there are large – um, package liquor store groups, and there are single location package liquor store groups. Within that 99% or so of the business community that is aligned with us on the drug grocery and convenience store side, there are single location players, <coughs> excuse me, like a specialty wine shop in Zionsville, one location, mm-hmm. and there are national players. So there are companies and business organizations of all sizes on both sides of the issue. So the big versus small is a made up myth, playing with emotions trying to create a uh, a uh, fracture that is not actually there. The but largest the largest retail package store in the state of Indiana is Belmont. I believe they have 35 locations. Your central division which we talked about before we went on the air, just the central division alone is 149. So I don't know if myth is the right word to describe it, but uh, how many billions of dollars did Kroger make last year? There are all size drug grocery and convenience stores in the state, and we both know that. So the big versus small. But I wanted to go back to the clerk, Kroger clerk piece. You know, they have a customer service dilemma every Sunday in every store in Indiana. And that's particularly true in the border areas, but that's, you know, every store, including the stores here in Bloomington. I, I stopped at one of the stores uh, on the way here to the studio today and heard the same story from the store manager. And, in fact, he said people who are, you know, students or faculty or others resident from other states um, really kind of make fun of Indiana in the process as well. It's not just that they complain or they're angry or something else. So it is at at its core a customer service dilemma for the other retailers. All right. We're going to be back with more of this uh Argument, should we say? Discussion? Discussion. <laughs> Lively discussion. Right, live discussion. Well, in the discussion. Statehouse, they call it a debate. Debate. So. <laughs> <laughs> after, uh, after we take a short break, you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Thanks. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcast directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. We're talking about Indiana's prohibition on Sunday alcohol sales here on Noon Edition. Today, we have Matt Colglazer with us. He's Hello. the uh, Director of Media Promotions for Big Red Liquors, Incorporated. John Elliott is the spokesperson for the Kroger Company. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. We're going to go to Megan on the phone. Um, Megan? Listening to 
the discussion, and I grew up in actually a dry county in the suburbs of Chicago, and or a dry town in the suburbs of Chicago, and so I've seen a similar action to what happens, you know, people who want to buy alcohol on Sundays just would go to the next town, just like they go to the next state here. And I've been, and another, just the thought that keeps going through my mind is I've been listening to the gentleman from Big Red Liquors saying, oh, but customer service, customer service. And rather than fighting, it seems like, but that's how you sell this. If alcohol is sold on Sundays, you know, you may not lose business to the big box stores because honestly, if people want that customer service, if they want to be able to walk in and say, hey, can you get this for me? That's how you get more sales. That's how you keep the business. It seems like the argument against it is actually your argument for opening up Sunday sales, if that makes sense. Well, we um, we certainly agreed that to be that to be competitive, you've got to provide great customer service. It's not necessarily um, an issue for the company that I work for. It would be an issue for smaller companies that would lose a competitive advantage, meaning they would have to be open an extra day. They'd be forced to be open an extra day during the week, and then all of that business, which is which is already in the grocery store buying groceries, a, a common thing on Sundays, um, would be there. So uh, it's. It, you know, I, the, the customer service aspect of it wouldn't change from our perspective. It, you know, we seek to improve on that every single day. Um, it's it's the fact that they they lose a competitive advantage, a competitive advantage in that marketplace. Although it seems we're not, I, we're not big drinkers in our house, but when we go out, if we're at the grocery store and we happen to want to buy a bottle of wine or something, we would get it there. If we're, it's like, oh, you know. We need to get some beer for something. We actually would go to a liquor store. Sometimes right. we would go to Oliver Winery or Upland Brewery or something. I, I, from a customer standpoint, different needs require different stores. If you're at the grocery store, sure, it's convenient. But if you're going out specifically to buy alcohol, rather than going to the grocery store and dealing with, you know, running into people's carts and things like that, a lot of people would prefer to go to a liquor store where they can just buy what they want, and often there's a bigger selection. Sure, and we we agree. We definitely agree with you on that. Um, it's a it's a matter of you know you said it, there are different there should be different stores for different different concerns, different moods, different things that you do want to consume. Um, this is a slippery slope here, where Sunday sales go, and then cold beer goes, and then. And then we are stuck with one store for every concern, which limits competition, which limits consumers' option. And then you're left with the, a customer service at a store that, you know, it's not – there's nothing specialty about that retailer. And so what kind of knowledge are they going to have on local wines and local beers um, and what's available? It, it just – from from our perspective, that that will suffer. And that's unfortunate because that's the business we're in, uh, and we think that – that you know these things are special these beers these wines um that 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 would just go away you know um matt Mm -hmm. you've got another fictional thing out there in terms of you know if sunday sales is allowed suddenly every retail outlet in the store would be one company you know, that's just not going to happen. That's, that's just more doom and gloom. Uh, okay, so fiction. you have the choice between Kroger and Walmart. I think there are more than two retailers in this state, and there would continue to be if we give consumers free choice and competition and, frankly, lower prices without losing service. But, you know, I don't – Megan, uh, maybe you can answer a question I asked Matt earlier that, that he didn't answer, which is what is magical about Sunday that they can't compete and can't serve their customers when they compete with us just fine uh, Monday through Saturday? Do you have any theories? I honestly don't know because every place I've ever lived that has had Sunday alcohol sales, there are independent liquor stores, there are grocery stores, drug stores. They all do different business, and they all manage to compete just like they do during the rest of the week. Yeah, I've had conference calls with my Kroger colleagues around the country on this and related issues, and uh, 
they talk pretty openly about some stiff competition from liquor stores and other format retailers that uh, operate under more of a free market and competitive scenario. So if it works in other states and it works six days a week in Indiana, I still don't know why it won't work on Sunday. Megan, thank you very much for your call. We're gonna, we have some calls here waiting. Let's go ahead and get to uh, Stan. Are you there, Stan? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. I, I've come in late, so uh, I apologize if, if this point hasn't been made, but it seems to me under a conservative administration, the question of free market is is uppermost, uh, rather than protecting jobs, uh, which I, I think uh, some, such as uh, our current governor, would consider a, a socialist. Uh, I'm rather surprised that the question of free market isn't the overwhelming question. I'll get off. Thanks, Dan. Any of you like to... Well, I would say after the customer service and, and care of our own employees, that would be right up there with the revenue and job uh, aspect of it as well. And frankly, part of the job debate from Kroger's perspective is uh, should Indiana legislators be focused on Hoosier jobs or should they be focused on protecting Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, and Kentucky jobs? Well, I think free market has become a buzzword that people use uh, too often to serve what their purposes are. And I think we've, that's what we've seen here today is that, um, you know, the, it's really outside of the, of the debate here. The, the, the rules were set up. I mean, if you, if you ask, if you survey people, I mean, the overwhelming majority of Hoosiers uh, want there to be some kind of regulation on alcohol. So we're not talking about deregulating this business. And if this law passed, you know, we'd go from, from being you know somewhere in the middle to being in the top seven as far as what you can do and when you can do it, um, you know I think it, from a responsible retailer's perspective, um, we're providing that service in the most responsible way. We're providing um, the service, the selection um, that that would frankly, in our opinion, go away if this goes to um, one or two larger retailers and i and you know i mean there are there are these smaller grocers in the state you know i i understand that but you know how will they be able to compete at some point when all you know every they're getting beat on every single price um you know what motivation would you have to carry something that's new that may take some time to develop you know if, if a new brewery opens up what what incentive would a big box store have to support it, have the personnel trained uh, in the store to tell people about it, to taste people on it. Um, I, I just I don't see that kind of direction the way that, that most people in the state want to go. Well, Matt, before I answer part of the caller's question, I want to invite you to visit a Kroger. I'm going to take you on a tour and share with you a little story about what we do, I think, probably more than any other retailer in the state to support Indiana breweries and wineries and you know, have created success stories from some of those local companies. We have multiple mentoring of local business programs uh, that support even non-alcohol companies like uh, Scholars Inn and their granola here. You know, we're selling that across two states now. So we do an awful lot for local business. So and I don't know if you're applying otherwise or just sounded that way. But, you know, the caller's, uh, uh, you know, the caller is right on the mark in terms of free market, really. All right, our phone numbers again, 855-0811, and you can join a live chat at org slash noon edition. You know, I was also wondering, has the law, um, I believe the last year or so, that it had allowed patrons to purchase uh, growlers from breweries, wine from places, um, from wineries, has affected any of your businesses? Or is that too hard to... We haven't seen that effect, other than maybe in the fact that you know they they get a little bit more exposure to those places and john i'll i'll extend to you the same courtesy i'll invite you to a big red liquors and and walk through and we can and we can, i'll show you 95% of all of the small producers all the small breweries in the state of indiana are, are carried at a big red liquors so um you know we're 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 seriously it's not one aspect of our business it's our whole business we're as committed to that and more committed to that than anybody else concerned with this issue. So, you know, the only thing that I've seen from from 
that Sunday sales of small breweries and wineries um, is that they're more interested in it, and then they come into our stores the next week, and they want to pick up a six-pack, or they want to pick up a bottle of that that, that they tried and at a tasting room or, or what have you. So. Yeah, you know, we've had a similar experience. I mean, it's sometimes hard to pin down whether, you know, they tried it at the brewery or they tried it at the winery and then come to us. We see that pretty clearly on wine. It's sometimes harder to pin down on the brewery. But, but uh, you know, again, we have a customer service issue because there are some brew pubs that want uh, strict temperature control of that beer. And our inability to sell it cold and maintain that temperature chain means that we are locked out from serving those customers, those particular local beers where the packaged liquor stores are able to do that. So, again, it's a, this it's is a, a legislatively created um, imbalance in the market. Is the this is beer. another – well, this is – I mean, I don't want to address that real quick. I mean, this mm-hmm. is another way that that lobby is trying to sneak in some some version to weaken the, the cold beer statute. So um, it – I mean, that's you not, know, we're that's not being not. sneaky about it. I mean, I've probably done 200 media interviews on this topic, and we've shared news releases, and we've had signs in our stores. I mean, if that's sneaky, I, I guess I'd have a different definition. Is the cold beer change in the, the bill that's being discussed? That's separate legislation. It's not the one that was before House Public Policy uh, earlier this week. Okay. We have a phone call. Let's go to Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm, I'm kind of confused. First, what we have are two representatives here of big box stores. I mean, we're not talking uh, this particular liquor store chain is a mom-and-pop operation. It's almost a near monopoly in Bloomington. So we're really kind of being disingenuous with making that argument. But the example that seems to be directly on point is grocery stores, big box stores, selling cigarettes. But yet in the last 10 to 12 years, there's been a proliferation of smoke shops, smoke shops all across Indiana, and somehow these little mom and pop or chain tobacco shops seem able to find a very comfortable niche to fit into, um, without diminishing the market forces of the big box stores. Thank you all. Listen. Well, Dan, I just want to say, um, you know, to address the question about big red liquors, you know, we've been in business since 1972. I was before I came here, I was in the office with Mark McAllister. The the Big Red corporate office, if you will, uh, is the former site of Mark's apartment that he bought in 1972 and started with with one store. So, um, you know, we're not – and I was speaking with him directly. We're not owned by somebody from out of state of Indiana. We're owned by somebody who is in the state who's, who's active and um, touches the community that, that we're in. So – well, I certainly agree with the caller's premise and, and Matt to address the local thing. I mean, you know, I hear a lot of comments about out of state as if, you know, we're, we're uh, exporting every penny and so on. And I, I would say in many ways we are more local than, than uh, other stores, particularly from a corporate citizenship and a community support perspective. And I think if you ask a Kroger cashier, if $100 in their paycheck is worth more or less than $100 in a big red paycheck, I think $100 is $100. And, the you know, we have employees that are have worked for us in this state and the community they were born and raised in for more than 50 years. And um, I, I think we are local by uh, the, the definitions that matter. Any reaction to Dan's comment about the smoke shops that he, he suggested smaller smoke shops of – proliferated in the last few years. I think that's a perfect example because just like we believe you can do with alcohol sales, you can have free market principles and conduct and consumer opportunity, but you can appropriately deal with it as a regulated or controlled substance. You know, it works with cigarettes. It works with alcohol in 49 states. I think it would work very well here. And, you know, but it comes down to, to... how is the state going to do in terms of enforcement and how are the retailers going to do in terms of their citizenship and their conduct? And I think uh, drug grocery and convenience stores measure up very well and statistically better. All right. We have two more uh, people wanting to talk on the phone. Let's go to Gary from Gary's from near Greensburg. Gary? Hello. How you guys doing? Hey, hey Gary. my call. You know, I, I was curious as I listened to you guys debate this, I, I just really have to wonder how – 
how much is really going to be sold on a Sunday when the state's been accustomed to this current process for years? I think all the professionals know when to get their alcohol and when not. I just <laughs> want to make that point. But um, I was also thinking, well, why not find something in the middle? And maybe someone's addressed this. I don't know. But if we're going to let the big box stores sell cold beer, then why not let the smaller guys have a drive-through? If we want, if convenience is the issue, why not? Why not convert a lot of them to a drive-through for mom and pops? Well, I don't. I mean, I can address part of that. Um, the The first part is, a, you know, cold beer is not really on the table to discuss today. Um, it's more just Sunday sales. But you know, your 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 point might be at pretty apt in terms of well, how much alcohol would somebody really buy on Sundays? And an earlier caller, I think Megan asked the question um, from a competition standpoint, if if it's not quite a busy a day and most of those people are going to be in the grocery store anyway, if you are going to buy alcohol, that would probably be where, where you buy it. So um, what it does is it would force these stores to be open that seventh day with, without any of the revenue in return to be able to stay in business and you know one day a week there's only seven <laughs> so one day a week is it would be pretty big especially to be operating uh in some no, stores I, operating yeah, at a loss right i know i understand the margin right it's, i i get that yeah but I, I was thinking that to counter it why not let you guys do a drive-through capability you know, any, any, you know if you, you can do that in indiana already Anything that would uh, would imply, um, you know, fair and reasonable competition in the market, we wouldn't oppose. If there's something that helps them compete more, we're not going to expect to be putting up a barrier to the liquor stores any more than we like the barriers that they have found some friendly legislators to provide for them. But to talk about the sales, um, just the cross-border sales on Sunday alone is somewhere between 300 and $600 million difference. So that's not a small number in terms of lost shopping excursions across the state. What that doesn't factor in, which means the number is even higher in total, is impulse buys that would happen. I mean, we all know people, there are people that don't go in with something on their list and they leave with it on their list. Wow. And it also doesn't factor in people who are simply not making a purchase on Sunday. And we've heard liquor store lobbyists talk about how effective they are about training their customers when to shop and how to shop and what to buy. And, you know, as we continue to serve our customers rather than train them, uh, you know, on Sunday there are opportunities to um, buy something, say, you know, there's a Colts game on and you want to grab a case of beer and watch it with your neighbors and you're not going to come in and buy that beer on Monday instead if the game already happened and the opportunity passed by on Sunday. So there are three categories of sales. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not a small amount. And if you break that dollar amount up into jobs, it's also not a small number. That's well. I just want to address a bit of that. I know that the state's own fiscal impact statement on this issue is unclear. <clears throat> That's the language, unclear as to whether the business and tax revenue would actually go up. So to say that three to six hundred million dollars is going is flowing out of state and that all of a sudden we would reverse the flow of that, but then the state's official fiscal impact statement doesn't know whether that would increase tax revenue, those two numbers don't match up to me. So um, is, that, is that factoring in price variances though as well? I mean there's a lot of variables that need to go into those decisions. Right. Are they going are they going just because it's eligible or are they going because it's well, that, well, the numbers he's pack. talking about are from a from from what I've read is from a internal Kroger study, which I've not looked at. So I, you know, I don't know how. I mean, we were talking about you know discredited studies. I don't know if quoting numbers from your own internal studies are the best way to have impartiality. In yeah, and there's study. a lot of data that went into that. But the state study he's referring to is out of date, was incomplete, and the you know we've asked for an updated and a newer one that would actually get at a complete picture on this story. But we have the largest customer loyalty database in the world. We've actually gone and run reports on real customers. And scenarios such as a customer from New Haven or Fort Wayne who crosses the state line and shops in our own Defiance Ohio store, 
Same thing with Sturgis, Michigan. So there, there, there are real numbers that can be backed up there. So if this okay. is not about big versus small, you, you just said you have the largest customer loyalty database in the world. <laughs> okay, Gary, we're going to have to let you <laughs> thank go. You, thank and you thanks, guys. Gary. Don't think we got to the drive-in, uh, drive-through liquor store idea, but we'll, we'll maybe get to that no, next time. We might need a cold beer after. That's then. true. <laughs> uh, we only have two minutes to go. Uh, one thing very quickly would would anything change with um, holiday sales based on. This new law. You mean, do we feel differently about a yeah. holiday that happens to be on a Sunday? Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, not necessarily. Like a, but, you know, another element that hasn't really come into this is the reality of people in towns like Kokomo or Anderson that have a heavy manufacturing or hourly multi-shift workforce. There are an awful lot of households that shop in our stores that can only shop on Sunday because they're working hard on the other six days, so they're shut out of that process, and it'd be the same on a holiday. All right, very quickly, Fred, if you uh, have a quick question, we can take it. Um, hi. Um, you know, earlier a fellow mentioned something that I think is very important. I have listened to this show from the beginning, and I haven't heard very much about what's best for the citizens of Indiana, what's best for the consumers. I've heard... Is it better for the big box stores? I shop at Kroger almost almost entirely. Is it better for Big Red and the liquor store owners? I shop at Big Red almost completely. But I want convenience. I want to be able to buy on Sunday wherever I want to go. And if Big Red wants to open its stores, they have that opportunity to do so. And I really don't think it's going to cost jobs. Okay, Fred, we're going to give you the last word. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, well, thanks, John. But, yeah. Thanks for your business, Fred. Right. <laughs> we, are out of, we are out of time. And Matt Colglazer and, and John Elliott, thanks very much for uh, all your insights into this today. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. For Joe Wren, thanks, Joe. For Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, as well as Mia Partlow, and also engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.